Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Did you ever have that painful experience as a child when you were on the playground and they were choosing teams and you were the last one chosen? Well, maybe it wasn't as a kid, but maybe it was a young man or woman that you were interested in, but they chose someone else over you. Or maybe it was a job promotion that you were not the one chosen to have that job. We've probably all experienced a moment in life where we felt the pain of not being chosen. In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss how God chooses people. Let's join the discussion now. Hey, Nate. Kind of a depressing intro, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, think like, of all the times in life where man, I just have flashbacks at the playground when I was in elementary school. I man, I got picked on so bad, so bad. Never chosen, but that was like the best part of my day. <laughs> I was not getting chosen for the team. <laughs> that was that was good for you. That was the good part of the day. Then it then it was wedgies and getting <laughs> pushed off the swing and all that other fun wow. stuff. Wow. Let's yeah. go down the, the yeah, deep dark right. I just, Nate Morris I'm hole. Having flashbacks of <laughs> Yeah. I remember I was a I was a big kid for my age and uh I was good at dodgeball. Oh, and I nice. remember that was like a highlight for me when we went outside to play dodgeball. It always made me feel really good about myself. Yeah. But uh if we were like running sprints or something like that, I wasn't couldn't do it. Uh, I was not very athletic, but I was, I was six, I was over six feet tall by the time I got into ninth grade. So everybody thought I was a senior when I was a freshman. So that kind of ended when I got to high school, but man, especially ba- elementary basketball school. Basketball never took, huh? I played two years of basketball. Oh yeah. I scored a combined total of two points. <laughs> well, at the same time or? No, one each point. year. <laughs> Free throws, you know? So. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, this week we're talking about that aspect of, of being chosen by God. And, uh, you know, in the teaching that you shared, uh, you used an analogy about a gift card. And I, I have a question for you is, yes. you know, I know you've been sending out a lot of texts lately asking people <laughs> to send you gift cards. Yeah. That wasn't you? No, that no, that wasn't me. Somebody uh, was asking, somebody was pretending to be me asking people to buy gift cards. Yeah for the staff for you yeah uh, yeah it was awesome i got one of those texts yeah you did so you're thinking i'm gonna buy a gift card for myself (laughs) (laughs) you said you were gonna pay me back yeah what the text said right uh i I played along knowing it was a scam and i i had some fun with the scammer and then they just kind of went away they just stopped replying to you yeah yeah they didn't want to play but you know you talked about that the gift card analogy and we'll talk about that in a second but I have a question for you is, is a gift card a legit gift? You know, there's, there's kind of like, there's two schools of thought on that. Like, is that if, if somebody gives you a a gift card as like a Christmas present, is that legit or is that like, oh, you didn't put much thought into this? Man, that's a hard one. I I don't really think that it is legit. I think most of the time it's kind of like a cop out. But I have a hard time saying that because I buy gift cards. <laughs> do you like? Honest, do you like? So if you're listening, them? if you're listening to this and you get a gift card from me, I'm sorry. You can just tell me, hey, so you didn't think about this at all, right? Um, no, but I think like the I think it depends, like because depends on what the gift is and what it's for. Because mm-hmm. 
someone gives you a gift card like that isn't that's like if someone that's close to you gives you a gift card that's like uh, what's that about somebody that i'm not close to thinks of me and gives me a gift card i'm actually very appreciative of it you know what i mean it's like oh wow yeah. you thought about me that's really nice um we had some people in the church just it wasn't pastor appreciation month or anything like that they pulled together and said we love you guys and we're thankful for you and got my wife and i a gift card to go out to dinner somewhere and i'm like man that's yeah. really nice you know yeah um that's very meaningful whereas if i buy my son a gift card for christmas that's like dad you just chose not to think about me right, <laughs> right. So. i'm just i'm telling you having older older children adult children that might change later it might change life you're right they might they might want the gift card they exactly. might I, although maybe cash is just better <laughs> they're just like want to pay their bills then it doesn't matter where you spend it <laughs> <laughs> the strangest gift card i ever received was uh from a, my doctor who went to our church and uh, he gave us a gift card to a place called uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I don't okay. know if you've heard yeah. of it. Really yeah, nice yeah. steakhouse. And uh, so it was a large amount for my wife and I to be able to go out to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. But what was strange about it was he was a sold-out vegan doctor <laughs> okay so and so I, I when i first got it i was like oh this is so awesome you know and then i thought wait a, wait second. a second he thinks meat kills people yeah so maybe he's like he trying to <laughs> trying to poison you here exactly <laughs> or maybe he just he just knew you enough to know that you really wanted a big juicy steak and cared about you enough even though he knew it was not good for you yeah that's <laughs> that's a good spin on it yeah yeah uh, <laughs> well the, you use that gift card analogy when we're talking about uh, this uh, first part of, of Ephesians, we started this new study in Ephesians. And um, if you could go back to that, I thought it was a really good analogy about having to do with uh, the spiritual blessings that are spoken of there in Ephesians. And could you just uh, go over that analogy with us again real quick? Yeah, I mean, so in Ephesians, it, it, it says in Ephesians chapter one, Paul's talking about in this doxology, the first part of, of the first chapter, he's talking about the spiritual gifts that we've received from God and that every spiritual blessing has been made available to us um, by Jesus Christ. They're all ours, that they have already been given to us. Every So when you think of what spiritual blessings are, every single possible spiritual blessing has already been made available to us as believers in Christ and to me, it's just like, okay, well, how often am I using those spiritual blessings? And too often, I think we, we don't take advantage of what's been made available to us. We just kind of treat it as like, we just forget about it, or we don't really believe that it's actually, we don't really believe that the peace that surpasses understanding is actually ours for the taking. Mm. Um, some of these things that the, the word tells us are blessings that have been given to us. We don't use them, and it kind of made me think of gift cards that you get that you kind of just throw in the junk drawer, you know? You're like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to use that. Like, And then down the road, you're like, hmm, I still have like $85 to Chili's sitting in my you know, <laughs> my drawer or whatever it is. Actually, I, you know, there's a couple of gift cards I've gotten. I kind of take back the gift card thing that you asked me before. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, there's two gift cards that I think about. Like, so actually like the staff gave us a gift card to grand avenue grill in eagle mm -hmm. so i think you were part of that maybe you didn't know that you were part of that but you're part of that um and i'm and we've used that a couple times it's actually kind of nice so it is there nice you okay. There you go. Okay. okay it's a good it depends it depends on the person it's coming from and the intention <laughs>
Yeah. So that that idea that these spiritual blessings have already been given to us, but we don't appropriate them. Right. Like we don't take advantage of them and stuff. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that, you know, people don't take advantage of these these blessings? Like you mentioned, one of them there being a, a peace that pers- surpasses our ability to understand what's going on. Yeah. I think the um, that there's lots of reasons, but probably I think that forgetfulness is part of it. Like mm. we forget that we've been given these yeah. things yeah. and we think that they're things that we have to earn or work for. Right. Right. Um, and I think lack of faith too. I think it's not that we don't believe mm. or we don't believe that God has blessed us, but, but when it comes to actually grabbing hold of those things, even when we don't feel it, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that's kind of hard to, to grab hold of with your heart if you if you're not if you're not really believing it you know what i mean like that like when it says in philippians 4 you know be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known to god and when you do that the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard mm-hmm. your heart and mind in christ jesus it's like when when we hear that it's like oh yeah that's nice okay you're telling me something i shouldn't do don't be anxious and then it feels like an obligation and then it's like we just forget that what he's saying is no god's given you this spiritual blessing of peace that doesn't make any sense and you receive it when you bring your anxieties to him through prayer and just say lord i can't do anything about this i need your peace and and, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a blessing that we have that we can grab hold of at any time but i think we just often don't because either we don't believe it or we forget that it's already ours and we kind of think we have to muster it up somehow mm. Yeah, that was kind of my my follow-up question to that was how do we appropriate those those spiritual blessings that we've already been given, you know, like a gift card you have to go to this the place and you have to buy the thing or, you know, have the dinner or whatever it is mm-hmm. to appropriate that and you have to have the gift card and there's certain things that you have to do just because you've been given the gift card you know, you don't automatically get the blessing that the gift card gives you. You just have a piece of plastic. Right. And so those spiritual blessings, you know, what, what you're saying is, is like the way we appropriate that and experience the blessing of those things is through faith. And is there, do you have any other thoughts on like how we actually get those blessings? Yeah. Into our life? Yeah. I mean, uh, totally right like a gift card if you have you have the gift card if say you've got you know a uh, a gift card sitting on your shelf for 100 bucks to some clothing store that is you know um very specific about something and like okay well i've got that but you're not wearing the clothes mm-hmm. until you go and take the gift card into the store and spend it right mm-hmm. um and it does take action but the action isn't necessarily what we think because we tend to think of action as working for something or earning something where with the, the, the spiritual blessings that we've been given, it's really the action is faith and and exercising our faith in that. And so, I mean, for example, the first gift that we talk about is in this chapter, the fact that we've been chosen by God. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're walking around feeling like dejected and beat up and downtrodden, we have to actually choose to believe that no, God has chosen me. So it doesn't actually like whatever I think about myself, whatever other people think about me, 
he picked me for the team. <laughs> you right, know, right. I'm in, I'm, I'm on the inside. I'm not on the outside yeah. and I don't have to sit in this place of condemnation and thinking that I'm less than because God has chosen me. He picked me and I, from the foundation of the world, he looked at me and chose me. Um, and, and I, I, I can't make myself, you know, work into being chosen. It's something mm -hmm. that he did that he gave me as a gift and I can rest in that gift or I can not rest in that gift, yeah. you know? And it seems to you like, I guess an element of that is, do you care that God chose you? You know, it's like if, if somebody uh, that you don't like asks you out on a date, they chose you to like, to like, um, but you don't like them. Yeah. Then that's not a blessing, right? <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. And I think that I pick that, you. I don't pick I don't, you. <laughs> I didn't want you to pick me. And I, I wonder about that with people sometimes too. Is like if they, you know, the more they understand who God is and the reality of who He is and stuff, the more that that'll be a blessing to them to understand that they they were chosen by God and right. Um, you know, you brought up uh calvinism and arminianism yes. in the teaching yes and i thought this might be a good uh kind of platform to discuss that in a little more depth than you could on a, a sunday morning uh going to deep you know theolo theological discussion or whatever mm -hmm. um but if you could just give a brief explanation of what each of those things are maybe some of our listeners have have heard those terms before but don't really know what exactly that means and stuff and if you could just discuss right. maybe some of the the main points of those yeah yeah um so here would be my definition of what calvinism and arminianism are is there are two man-made systems to try to explain god yeah. and free will is what, what, what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't actually think either one of them is appropriate personally. Um, but what it comes down to is did God choose us or did we choose God? <laughs> and the, the Calvinist would say God chose us and we had nothing to do with it. Uh, the Arminian will say we chose God and God had a little to do with it, but it was still our choice completely. Mm. And, um, it, it in my mind, it really comes down to like a chicken or the egg type argument, like which came first, you know what I mean? And um, we know that God chose us before we chose him, mm -hmm. but we also know that it says whoever will may enter in, right. you know? And so when there's two truths that seem to be opposite in the scripture, it's not our duty to make sure that we understand how they reconcile or to take one at the exclusion of the other, but to actually say, well, if it's saying both things then both things must be true mm -hmm. and they may seem on the surface to be conflicting truths, but our God is big enough for both to be true. Yeah. You know, he can, uh, he can have chose us from the beginning of the world and we can be fully responsible for our actions and responsible for our choice before him. You know? Yeah. So what do you think is um, maybe a danger of each one of those uh, belief systems, if you go like hardcore, super dogmatic about one of those, uh, what do you think are the dangers of each of them? Yeah. Um, so there are many dangers on both sides of this, actually. And, but I, I think that some of them, some of them are directly in the theology, them, the, th the theological positions themselves, and some of them are more in the practical implications of that theology in the way that you do life. And so I'll just start with Calvinism. Calvinism essentially says that we had nothing to do with the choice. God complete, God chose us out of 
no reason other than just his own choice for um, for what he wanted to do. It was just his will. He will accomplish his will. And the the natural kind of you know five point Calvinist will say that not only did God choose us to be saved, but he also chose people to be destined for hell. Um, so he created them specifically for the purpose of sending them to hell, which if you look at scripture, this, just that blatantly contradicts what the Bible actually says. You, you can't reconcile that when Peter says in Second Peter that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but yeah. desires that all would come to repentance. Well, does God want them to go to hell or not? No, he doesn't want them to go to hell. The Bible tells us that. So if he doesn't want them to go to hell, is would he actually have chosen to create them just to go to hell? No, of course he wouldn't. That's not how, that's not the character of God mm -hmm. as described in the scriptures. And so that's, that's one of the, the main theological flaws with what I would call hardcore kind of five point Calvinism. There are people that there's the five points correspond to five different positions that Calvinists hold. I'm not going to get too far into it, but <laughs> that one is one of them. The, the, actual what's called double predestination so there's the predestination of the saints to eternal life and the predestination of the the wicked to hell and of course god knows and knew before the foundation of the world who was going to go to hell mm -hmm. and chose to make them anyways and give them that opportunity to go to hell but it wasn't his choice to create someone just for this, the purpose of sending them to hell. That's that's not the character of the God we see in the scriptures. And the problem, the practical outworking of that in, in Calvinism leads to, well, it leads to one, a lack of concern for evangelizing the lost is one thing, but it also leads to what I think C.S. Lewis called theological, no, actually, well, he didn't, I'm, I'm butchering, his was something else, but theological snobbery. I'm kind of stealing <laughs> words from C.S. Lewis and somebody else at the same time, <laughs> creating my own little phrase, but it is theological snobbery. I think <laughs> there's there's memes. So Calvinists make fun of themselves for this, okay? Yeah. And I have Calvinist friends. So if you're a Calvinist friend of mine, <laughs> trust me, I'm not picking on you. This is just sharing what I think. We've probably talked about this before, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's there's memes that go around about Calvinists where they call at the, in the early stages of Calvinism when somebody first becomes a believer in Calvinism they become what's called a cage stage Calvinist <laughs> and this is when you have to keep them in a cage because they just go around raging all the time <laughs> I'm not even kidding you can google it cage stage Calvinist and you'll see memes about this by Calvinists about people who are new Calvinists just like if you're not a Calvinist, you are yeah. wrong and probably going to hell, probably one of the chosen that was chosen yeah. to be destined for hell. And this is what happens with Calvinism is there is a, there's a, a better than you knowledge based like snobbery that takes place that makes them think that they're so wise and smart because they figured out this system that supposedly God works within called Calvinism. And it, it, it's, it's pretty prevalent in Calvinist circles. I mean, you see it everywhere, and, and, it, and it's all about knowledge and learning. And I think that it overlooks what the Bible says, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds right. up. Mm -hmm. And where's the love in that? There's not, the, the love of Christ is not evident. And when the love of Christ is not evident, the spirit of Christ is not present. And when the spirit of Christ is not present, you can trust that that doctrine is not of the Lord, it's of mm -hmm. the devil. Mm -hmm. And so that's the problem that I have with Calvinism. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it goes against God's justice, you know, too. It's like that He just 
created people to be robots, you know, like these are going to be saved and these are going to go to hell. And it's like, that's not a just thing. Absolutely. Um, then what about on the other side, the Arminianism, uh, the free will right. side? What what are the dangers of that? Well, and this is, so my Calvinist friends are now upset with me for my <laughs> position on Calvinism. Um, I'm going to upset the Arminians while we're at it too. <laughs> and then we'll just see, we'll just see who's left at the end of it. But <laughs> so here's the thing, Arminianism, true Arminianism basically says that our salvation is up to us. Christ died for us. Uh, if we will do all the right things and ultimately jump through all the right hoops to be saved. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are different variations of this, just as there are different variations of Calvinism, but a, a true Arminianist, Arminianist position states that you are saved by your faith in Jesus, but you can lose that faith. Yeah. You can lose your salvation, um, which I don't believe according to the scriptures. I used to believe that, honestly, but I don't anymore. I used to teach that, actually. Um, but my, my study of the Bible since then has really confirmed in my heart that I don't believe that's the, the case. Uh, but that you can, you can, just as you gained your salvation by faith, you can lose it by not having faith. And so any one moment that you happen to not be having faith, you yeah. could not be saved. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens if you die when you don't have faith in a moment? Then you might not be saved. You might be going to hell instead of heaven. And it, it negates the, the, the prerogative of God to choose is really what it does. That, that Arminianism just takes God out of the equation. Aside from the sacrifice on the cross, it puts it all on us. And we never were able to do it. That's why Jesus came. And yes, we, we are responsible. It, it's really all about the responsibility of man, but it takes the responsibility of man to an extreme. Mm -hmm. And we are responsible and we're responsible to choose and we're responsible for our actions. But um, we're not the end all and be all, and God is, and he knew us before the foundation of the world. And the problem with Arminianism is it often leads to legalism. And funny enough, Calvinism leads to legalism as well, which is interesting, mm -hmm. but in a different way. But Arminianism often leads to legalism because it's, well, if you're really saved, then you really better live up to this in this way, and, and you're, you don't have faith if you're not doing this. And it, it becomes about what we do rather than what Christ did. And, um, and it's the other end of the spectrum. It's, it's, it's the, the right wing for the left wing, you know, it's, it's, it's a pendulum swing. And really Calvinism was a pendulum swing in opposition to Arminianism mm -hmm. as it came out like this. Um, I think it was Jacobus Arminian, Arminius was the guy's name and he kind of outlined this view and, um, Calvinism came about as the opposite view. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, pendulum swing, yeah. yeah. And usually, you know, here's the thing. It, these theological swings happen a lot in church culture where somebody comes out with a statement of something and it's kind of far on one side of things. And then somebody else says, man, that's not true. And so they come out with a statement far on the other side of things. And really the truth is somewhere in the middle right. a lot of yeah. times. Yeah. Not every time, but really what we want to come back to is not what does... Jacobus Arminius say, or what does John Calvin say, but what does the Bible say? Amen. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, if we just kept it to that, it'd be a lot simpler, but rather than that, we have guys that say, well, this one verse says this. And so I need to back this up with all these other verses, because this is what I think when the Bible might say both things that seem yeah. contradictory, but they don't have to be. There's such a thing mm. in biblical theology as parallel truths, two things that are simultaneously true that we may not be able to reconcile with our mind. Yeah. No. I think uh, that one, I always go to John Elway as an example of understanding that because 
you know, when God is outside of time, like all those, those arguments are based on time and exactly. like when things happen. And I remember when John Elway was coming out of college and the Colts wanted to draft him and they were a horrible team. And he made it very clear. If you draft me, I'm not going to play. I'll sit out. Wow. And so they didn't draft him. They traded that draft pick to the Broncos and he said he would play for the Broncos, and so the Broncos drafted him. And I, I see it like that with, with God. It's like he knows ahead of time who wants to be on his team, you mm-hmm. know, and so he chooses those who want to play for him, you know, in this sense. And it's not a perfect example, but, yeah, you know, it's him knowing, God knowing uh, who who will fall in love with him and want a love relationship with him. Right. Those are the ones that he chooses. So interesting. What, what, why is that important? Do you think as you studied through that and, and focused in on that and the teaching, why is it important for us to know that, that God chose us? I think that it, it speaks to, it speaks to the character of God and it speaks to his value for us. I think both at the same time, it, it shows God's forethought that God's not just, or one that God sees everything before it exists, right? He knows everything outside of time. He, he sees every choice we're going to make. He knows it all. So I think that's an important concept to grasp, but it also shows um, the value that he places on us as individuals, that, um, that he sees us and he loves us uh, not because we're good or he doesn't even love us because we're going to to respond with a yes to the gospel. It says that he loves the whole world. So he loves even those who aren't going to respond with a yes. But he, he saw, sees us and loves us with a love that knew that it would sacrifice itself. Like he knew um, that he was going to die on the cross to fulfill that love for us when he chose us and he chose to do it anyways. And mm-hmm. I think it just speaks to the character of God and his love. And, and that, that ultimately, when we recognize that, when we recognize that he chose us, that he knows the end from the beginning, that he knows the end of my story, that I, it means that I can trust that he's going to finish what he started in me. You know, he's going he's gonna to, like Philippians 1, 6, you know, that he has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish the work that he began. And so because of that, I can trust him as I walk through life. You know, yeah. I can trust him. One of the verses that you shared in that teaching was Romans eight thirty. It says, Moreover, whom he, God, predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. And, you know, that kind of speaks to that, what you were just talking about there, about that's that, that's a relief, you know, when uh, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, comes after us, you know, mm-hmm. showing us all the things that he's right. We did it. We thought it, yeah. you know, and that, and the guilt and the shame that, that comes through that to be reminded of the fact that, you know, God chose us knowing that we were going to think that, knowing yeah. that we were going to do that. And he chose us anyway, that right. that really gives you a lot of um, security and, and a feeling of, of love. Yeah, for sure. totally. So totally. Awesome. Well, uh, excited to dig into Ephesians 
you know, one verse at a time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's so rich, so rich and so good. So um, great first shot. So thank you for, for tuning in, listening. Uh, join us again next week on Unscripted. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to PastorNate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.